Okay, so um, over the last three weeks, we've accidentally uh, fallen into a sermon series. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, we looked at why baptism. Um, Eli was, was getting baptised that day, and it was just an incredible time for us as a family, and a real sense of God uh, at work during that time. Uh, last week, TJ and Ramsey uh, looked at why mission. Uh, we looked at the, the practice, the power, the necessity of mission, how we're all called uh, to be on mission. It's not just about people who are going overseas, but it's about all of us. Uh, and God calls us to be on mission locally uh, and also globally. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at why elders. Why elders? Um, next week, we're going to be starting a, a brand new sermon series uh, on First Corinthians. And we'll continue that right up until Christmas, which is, by the way, only a few months away. Um, and as we think of, of eldership uh, this morning, um, I want us just to have an open mind as to what it is that God has to say uh, through his word. We're, we're going to look at a number of different passages, and hopefully it will just give us a clearer picture uh, of the role of the church, the purpose of elders, and why that is important for the spiritual health and well-being uh, of the, the church family here at Denison. So in May of this year, at our church business meeting, uh, we agreed together that Paul Hawkins and T.G. Odom would begin what we've described as a leadership uh, process. Um, and we asked the question uh, in May during our business meeting, what is a leadership process? Uh, and we agreed that it was four things. Uh, it's a process where uh, together, myself, Paul and T.G. discern what God is saying around eldership and whether or not this is what God is calling both of them into. Uh, number two, it's a process where myself, Paul and TJ grow together in our knowledge of God's word and our understanding of church uh, and what it means to be an elder uh, as it relates to Denison Baptist Church. Uh, thirdly, um, we agreed that it is a process where you as a church family uh, discern whether TJ and Paul uh, are suitable for eldership uh, in light of what God's word says. Uh, and I'd shared that the next 12 months, is a time when you can come to me and you can share um, encouragements about Paul and TJ um, or concerns that you might have um, as we look ahead to this proposal of these guys becoming elders um, next year, um, June 2019. Uh, and this is still the case, so do come and speak to me. Um, I'd also highlighted, and I'll continue to highlight, that you share this with me uh, and nobody else because you know, if you have a concern about one of these guys, um, then don't speak to everyone else apart from me. You speak directly to me. Um, otherwise, that would be gossip. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you this morning and say that you know, I would challenge you about that if that was the case. Um, so it's a time where you can discern collectively whether or not Paul and TJ um, are suitable for the role of eldership. Uh, and number four, it's a process where Colin character, chemistry and, and competence um, hopefully will flourish and grow within the three of us. So Colin, is this what God wants him to do? Is God calling Paul and TJ into this role? Um, character, who they are as individuals, what is their identity in? Is it in Jesus or is it in something else? Uh, chemistry, how we get on as a church leadership team. You know, is there a chemistry? It's really important that we do get on with each other, that we are actually friends, and we are friends, good friends. Um, but also theologically, are we in agreement with each other? Uh, and competence, um, are we collectively and individually 
able to fulfil the role of elder uh, in a way that is effective uh, and glorifies God. So through this process, our prayer is that these areas uh, are God willing, more and more evident uh, in the lives of all three of us. Um, And as such, we are more and more reflecting the key passages that talk about eldership. So 1 Timothy chapter 3 um, and Titus chapter 1 uh, are really important. And these are passages we're going to look at uh, in a minute. So this is what we agreed to. I recognise there's a lot of information there. But this is what we agreed to in our business meeting in May. This is what we're working on. I'll be very clear in saying that TJ and Paul are not elders yet. Um, We're going through a leadership process. Um, And so this morning, what we're doing is very simply asking a question. Why elders? Why does Denison Baptist Church um, have elders? Uh, Before we ask the question, why elders? Let me just say something in terms of terminology. Um, Because when it comes to leadership in the church, there are a number of different words uh, that are used in the New Testament. And even within different denominations, there are a number of different terms that people use for those who are in spiritual authority. So these include elder, overseer, bishop, leader, pastor, teacher. Um, And there are a number of different passages that I could direct you to that underlines the interchangeability of these terms. So what I'm saying is, um, this all speaks of one person. So there are just different descriptions of the one role uh, within the life of the church. Um, But I just wanted to to highlight one of these passages so we could spend a long time looking at how all these words point to the same person. Um, But I just want to highlight one of these passages that speaks of that, and it's Acts chapter 20 uh, and verses 17 to 38. And I've highlighted just the key verses within this passage. So verse 17, we read in verse 17 of what Paul did here. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus. So Paul went from a place called Miletus to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. So he arrived in Ephesus and he gathered together. He called the elders of the church. He wanted to meet with those who had spiritual authority within the life of the church. And so Luke writes that he summoned the elders. And then from verse 18 onwards, Paul really pours out his heart to the elders at Ephesus. He's wanting to encourage and equip them in their faith and in their calling. He shares what he has went through. And after this, he says something really important for us in verses 28 to 31. As we think about the different terms that we use for a leader, both within this church and within the New Testament. So Paul states in verse 28, it's up on the screen. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers. So he describes the elders that he's talking to as overseers. And he continues. So elder, overseer, pointing to the same thing. He continues on. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So the role of the elder is that of a shepherd eh, or a pastor. And this is further underlined in verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So these are clear references here to the elders being spiritual shepherds or pastors. And Paul continues in verse 30. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert. So he's calling these elders to be ready, to be aware of the dangers that may arise by correcting and rebuking 
false teaching. And the way to do that is through correct teaching. He's underlying, underlining their teaching responsibility here in verse 31. And Paul finishes, Remembering that night and day for three years, I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. So I hope we see something of the love here that Paul had for these brothers in Christ. But I also hope we see just the different ways in which Paul describes a spiritual leader. When it comes to terminology around eldership or leadership, all these words are the same. They're the same in that they all point to the same office of the same person. Elders, presbyters, refers to the same individual who could be described as an overseer or bishop, which refers to the same office as shepherds, pastors, which is the same as teachers, which refers also to leaders. So all these terms refer to a spiritual leader in the New Testament, and these terms are therefore interchangeable. Um, At the same time, they're also not interchangeable in that they refer to a different aspect of what it means to be a leader within the church. So let me explain this, as I think in my previous church at Caldwell Baptist, we had a, quite a large uh, leadership team, there was about eight or nine of us, um, and I could see how all these words, so elder, presbyter, overseer, bishop, shepherd, pastor, teacher, leader, all of these words could refer to one of these leaders. But I can also see the way in which some of these leaders were more elder than they were shepherd. Some were more shepherd than they were teacher. Some were more natural leaders than others. So in many regards, there's maybe one or two areas, one or two of these descriptions that most naturally fit the leaders of the church. But all of these descriptions refer to the same person as well. So, all of these descriptions refer to those in spiritual authority in the church. So we have elders within the life of this church. And it's a clear pattern of the New Testament. Um, And it's also clear, the New Testament is also clear in pointing us to the fact that there's more than one elder. And when it comes to leadership in the church, there's no such thing as a one-man model of ministry. Um, you know, the Baptist model of ministry is a model that only came into existence within the last sort of 60 years or so. Um, and it's one where you have a pastor and then you have uh, a board of deacons or a group of deacons. And the reality is that's quite frankly unbiblical. To have one pastor and then to have a number of different deacons is not something you find within the New Testament. The model is to have multiple leaders and multiple deacons. So if we understand that elders are biblical, and there's more than one, so this is why we have myself, and God willing, in June 2019, Paul and TJ, then the question I want to ask is, what do they do? What is the purpose of an elder or a leader? Well, let me show you, first of all, what an elder isn't. Or rather, let me show you what an elder shouldn't be. Um, In Mark chapter 12, in verses 38 to 40, a read of Jesus' warning to the people, speaking of those in spiritual authority in his day. And so Jesus says these words, beware of the scribes, these were the elders in Jesus' day, those in spiritual authority. Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes 
and who want greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honour at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. These will receive harsher judgment. <clears throat> so, I don't want us to take us literally, I'm not going to be walking about in a long robe. Um, but I hope you get just the essence of what it is that Jesus is saying here. When I was in South America, this is something I've shared before, but um, we met together uh, as a church <clears throat> in South America uh, on a Sunday, obviously. Um, and all of the chairs uh, were plastic chairs. Uh, apart from two of the chairs, the self-proclaimed leader of that church decided to get an extra large plastic chair in the front row for him and his wife. Um, and they used to sit at the front and something we did very naughtily is to arrive early and to sit on these two extra, plas- extra large uh, plastic chairs just to make a point um, because for them they saw themselves as more significant uh, and more important and so they thought that extra bit of plastic uh, would help them in communicating that they saw themselves as more significant and more important for them leadership was all about being recognised all about being adored all about being worshipped and it's the exact opposite of what Jesus says. And this is exactly what Jesus warns us against with these words in Mark chapter 12. So I hope you see that for Paul, TJ and myself, it's not about us being recognised, thinking that, that we are the spiritual bee's knees, so to speak. And we're doing this out of a genuine love for God. And we're doing this out of a genuine love for every single one of you. And we are called to serve And we are not called to stand up here and to be recognised. We are leading in that regard because God has high high expectations of the three of us. He has set a standard for each one of us. And you know, more so for myself, but also for TJ, uh, we as leaders or as leader and prospective leader, we both preach the word of God. And as we do this, we see the expectation that God has for us in James chapter 3, verse 1, and it might be up on the screen. Um, we read these stark and important words from James. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. You know, teaching is such an important aspect of what it means to be a leader. And so I need to be aware of this. I need to be thinking, you know, when I'm teaching here, even right now, um, as a leader, that I'm going to receive a stricter judgment on the day of judgment. Uh, I'm going to have to give an account for not just the way in which I taught, but why I taught, and the way in which I was dedicated and committed to God, the love that I had for each one of you, because I'm going to receive a stricter judgment. And this is not a moment when Paul can relax and and say, oh, I'm glad I don't teach, Um, because the reality is that all three of us have been given a great responsibility and all three of us will have to give an account before God at the end of our lives as to how it is that we have led the church. So we lead in a way that loves God and loves people because of the standard that God has set for us. And we are leading this way because as John Piper says of biblical leadership, we are sheep before we are shepherds. We are sheep before we are shepherds. And we want to please God and live for him with all that we are in light of all that he has done for us. We lead with an attitude of love towards you in light of the love that God has first shown us. So the New Testament 
has high standards um, of who it is that can become leaders. And, and I just wanted us to take a moment to reflect upon the qualifications of an elder. And they're found in two key passages. And I hope we see from this, you know, that it's not just, it's not jobs for the boys, you know, it's not just anyone that can become a leader. The Bible raises a bar in terms of who it is that can be in spiritual authority. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, and verses 1 to 7, and Titus chapter, chapter 1. So let's look at 1 Timothy 3 to begin with. And I'm just going to read this, and I might stop it at different uh, points here. Um, but it's important we understand the standard that is set. So Paul says, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, so again, elder, pastor, teacher, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household... How will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. So I hope we see just the the standard that God has set for those in spiritual authority. And Paul writes something similar to Titus in Titus chapter 1. In verses 6 to 9, an elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. As an overseer of God's household, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will be able He will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. You know, we could do a sermon series um, on all of these different characteristics in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1. But I hope we see from both of these passages that the picture that Paul depicts here uh, is one of a spiritual father. A spiritual father. uh, An elder is a spiritual father who has a responsibility to lead. You know, you look at these words from Paul at face value, especially 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 7, and it is very easy to see that this is a description, this is what you would expect from a godly dad in a family setting. And this is touching something really important as we think of DBC. Um, I want us to think of Denison Baptist Church not as an organisation, but as a family. Together we are family. And through that, there should be a strong bond of love towards God and towards one another. We are family, and that means there are spiritual siblings, there are spiritual sons and daughters, and there are also spiritual fathers and mothers. And just like family has different roles, the church also has different roles. And as we hold on to this picture of church as a spiritual family, our clearest understanding from, New, from the New Testament is that elders or leaders 
is the role and responsibility of a called and chosen select few spiritual fathers. And this would be what theologians would describe as a complementarian position, a complementarian understanding of church leadership. And this is a view that God has created all men and women as equal. We are all equal in God's eyes. But God has given men and women different roles within the family and within the context of church. And based upon all that we're looking at, elders are those whom God has chosen to be spiritual fathers within the life of the church. You know, I know of um, churches um, that are staunchly complementarian and they would have nothing to do with an egalitarian church. So a church that believes in male and female elders. And I also know of churches that are staunchly egalitarian and they would have nothing to do with complementarian churches. Um, I recently heard one pastor describe complementarians as subordinationists. So he basically thinks that all complementarians um, are sexist idiots. There's no room for that deep biblical conviction within the body of the church. This is a, a controversial issue within the life of the church. But my response is, we just need to calm down a bit. We just need to calm down. Myself, Paul and TJ believe from the clearest reading and study of the entire Bible that spiritual leadership in the church is male. But not any male. It's for those who feel called to that position. Those who meet the requirements of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1 as spiritual fathers. And those who have been recognised as spiritual fathers within the wider church family. And alongside all of this, we continue to support, encourage, work alongside churches that would hold to an egalitarian position. And in love, humility, and out of a desire for unity, we would disagree with their position. So we have our own biblical conviction of this, but we also respond to those who have a different biblical conviction with grace and love and humility. It's really important we get this, because if we don't, then we can just focus on this one issue and lose sight of the bigger gospel picture, all that God is doing within the life of the church. So hopefully this is answering the question, why elders? I'm, I'm totally aware of the fact there's a lot in this, um, and it's maybe something you can look at uh, later on. This will be recorded on the website, and you can maybe take some time to unpack um, all of these different points. <clears throat> so more and more, we're answering this question, why elders? So I want to ask, and I'm going to answer the question, what does an elder actually do? You know, what, what is the purpose of an elder biblically? We've kind of had an idea of the requirements of an elder, but what does an elder actually do? So let me share three words that are directly connected uh, to what an elder does. Um, so they'll be up on the screen as well. So number one, an elder governs. An elder governs, and an elder governs well. Um, an elder leads in a manner that glorifies God, and, and that is that relates to to big stuff. So that can relate to the Sunday service, but it also relates to one-on-one -on -one conversations, praying, healing for someone, and um, just being aware of of what is going on within the life of the church. It relates to what an elder does, what an elder says, the attitude, the faith life of an elder. All of these areas relate to governance. 
It's a governance of the individual and it's a governance of the church. An elder is always leading the church family. Always. There's not a moment where they switch off from being an elder. So let me share with you 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, and verses 1 to 5 as we try and understand this idea of, of governing. Uh, Peter writes, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, so there's no such thing as a lazy leader. Not lording it over those who entrusted to you, those entrusted to you, but being examples in the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So look at what Peter says here. Uh, to the elders of the early church. An elder does so willingly. He leads eagerly. And an elder is an example to the entire church. So as Paul, TJ and myself lead, my prayer is that more and more we do so as an example to all of us. That we do so in a manner that glorifies God. That we do so in such a way that permeates all of our lives, whether it's a, the church family life or in our own personal individual lives. And we also do so with excellence. You know, God has been so excellent to each one of us. And so we are called to do, to do all of church ministry and life with excellence in a manner that is wholehearted, in a manner that glorifies God. So an elder governs, number one. And number two, an elder guards. Uh, one of the chief responsibilities of, el of elders in the New Testament is that we are protectors. We are keeping the church in a place where they are able to stand strong in the midst of adversity. That they are spiritually fruitful, oftentimes in spiritually hostile environments. So this idea of elders as those who guard can be found in John uh, chapter 10 and verses 11 to 15. Through the example of Jesus, uh, the words will be up on the screen. Uh, Jesus says, speaking of this role of a, a shepherd, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. So an elder who is Christ-like is an elder who lays down their life for the sheep, the spiritual family, protecting the sheep from wolves, those who take people away from church, those who would seek to destroy the unity of the church. An elder is there as a protector. And furthermore, in a verse we've already looked at this morning, uh, Paul writes to the elders, Acts chapter 20, and verse 28, Be on guard for yourselves, and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers, 
to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So he's saying be on guard for yourselves. He's talking to elders and for all the flock. Protect the flock. So for Paul, for TJ and myself we're called to protect you guys from false doctrine. To protect you guys from personal sin. From corporate sin. To protect you guys from persecution. And that sense of protection from persecution is really that you would be faithful in the midst of that hardship and trial. If someone is, is attacking you because of your Christian faith, we are called to give you strength through that difficult season. And also to protect us all from disunity, to maintain the unity of the church family. So an elder guards and an elder governs. And number three, an elder grows. So a really important passage that underlines the role of elder as those who are called to minister to and to grow the church family in a spiritual sense is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 to 13. So Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, And he himself, he speaking of Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So we don't have a lot of time uh, to look at what verse 11 is all about, but if our understanding of these roles in this verse is referring to the dynamic of church leadership, which I believe it is, especially reference to pastors and teachers, then as leaders, their primary role, or one of our primary roles, is verse 12. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. So this can oftentimes be the opposite of our past experience of church life. You know, if the role of a leader is to equip, it's almost like we are behind you guys and saying to you all, you know, serve, witness, be effective and fruitful in the body of Christ. The opposite of that would be for you guys to watch us do all of the work. And my own personal experience of church generally is that 90% of the church family watch 10% of the church do all the work. And because this has been done for so long and so often in many different contexts, it just becomes normative. People just see this as a normal way of which to do church life. But we are a priesthood of all believers and we are all called to minister and to serve. And as church leaders, we serve alongside you, but we also serve behind you. And we are encouraging you and equipping you to do things well, to serve in a manner that glorifies God. So personally, when I read these words, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 to 13, I'm filled with real excitement about what we as a church family could become. I'm excited about the role that Paul, TJ and myself have in equipping you all for ministry. And this means that we are actively involved in ministry as well, by the way. I'm excited about how God can use you as you start to take on more and more responsibility within the life of the church. 
one of the things that we're going to do soon is basically basically kind of unpack all of the different responsibilities, many of them practical within the life of the church. You know, as elders, we are called to spiritually grow the church. And we do many practical things as elders. But alongside this, there are many different responsibilities that you can be involved in within the church family here at Denison Baptist. And so it's helpful for us just to have that big picture of all the different things that need to happen within the life of the church. And for you to pray about it and to step forward in faith and say, okay, I really feel God is leading me to do this or to do that. Um, And that is the role uh, of a deacon within the life of the church. Those who serve and who actualize the church ministry. So it's an exciting time. If we follow the biblical pattern of our eldership, then I do believe that we will be a healthy body and we will grow and become the church that God calls us to be. And as we do this more and more, I'm really excited about verse 13 in Ephesians 4. Paul says, We all reach unity in the faith. We all get to that place where you know, there is a, a real sense of unity. You know, when non-Christians walk in and they see the love that we have for each other, they won't be able to deny that Jesus is real and Jesus can make a difference to their life because of the manner and the measure in which we love each other. We all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. You know, when I get to the the end of my life and I give an account to God for all that I've done, he's not going to say to me, or he's not going to ask me, how big was your, your church building? How many people came along? How many jokes? How many jokes did people laugh at when you were preaching? Um, he's not going to say any of that he's going to say how mature were your church family did they grow into the fullness of Christ in their life so as we have asked the question why elders I hope all of us has helped and if you have any questions around any of this then do speak to me at the end of the service or at some point during the week It's important that we unpack this and clarify um, more and more of what it is that God is doing within the life of the church. And it is very exciting to see what is going to happen. I believe that as we follow the biblical pattern, then we will see biblical fruit within the life of Denison Baptist. Let me pray, and then we're going to respond uh, in a time of worship. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for the just the practical measures uh, that exist within all these different passages that we looked at. Lord, I, I thank you that we can look at these words and in some regard we can apply these words to our lives. And Lord, that you would enable us as a church family to see many people come to a knowledge of you and to grow in their walk with you. And Lord, we pray um, that as we more and more seek your face and live a life that is pleasing to you, that you would transform this community, that you would transform this city and this nation, and that you would use us in a mighty and powerful way. And we ask that you would bless each one of us, Lord, and that you would help us to see what it is that your word says. In Jesus' precious name, amen.